you are now tuned into World War II Stories. I'm your host, Steve Matthews, and I'm here to take you on a journey through the whirlwind of historical events that shaped our world and defined generations. Stay tuned every Tuesday and Thursday as we delve into the riveting, inspiring, and sometimes tragic stories from World War II. We'll meet the brave men and women who stood up to tyranny, we'll explore clandestine operations and daring escapes, and we'll pay tribute to the resilience of the human spirit in times of extreme adversity. Also, be sure to check out our other podcast focusing on World War I, the conflict that set the stage for the global turmoil that followed. Use the link in the description below. The late 1930s were a time of escalating tensions and wary alliances in the world's geopolitical landscape. Two of the most powerful leaders of this era were Germany's Adolf Hitler and the Soviet Union's Joseph Stalin, men whose ideologies were diametrically opposed. Each held a vision for their nations that seemed destined to clash. Hitler, the charismatic Fuhrer, had always harbored a deep-seated mistrust towards the East. His vision of a vast German empire, as outlined in his book Main Kampf, hinged on seizing the rich resources of the Soviet Union. Lebensraum, or living space, he argued, was essential for the German people's survival and prosperity. This grand ambition was a ticking time bomb, waiting for the right moment to explode. Stalin, on the other hand, was a shrewd and paranoid leader. His iron grip on the Soviet Union was unyielding, and he had a deep-seated fear of encirclement by capitalist powers. Stalin was wary of Germany's growing power, and in a bid to buy time, he entered into a non-aggression pact with Hitler. This was the notorious Molotov-Ribbentrop Pact, signed in 1939, which, unbeknownst to Stalin, would merely serve as a pit stop in Hitler's grand plan. Meanwhile, in the shadows, the architects of the future invasion were hard at work. Among them was General Erich von Manstein, a man known for his strategic acumen. He envisioned a daring plan that would encircle and destroy the Soviet forces in a series of swift, decisive operations. The seeds of Operation Barbarossa were being sown, even as diplomatic exchanges between the two nations suggested a semblance of peace. Yet, Stalin, for all his suspicion and paranoia, remained astonishingly blind to the impending threat. Despite multiple warnings about the buildup of German forces along his western border, Stalin chose to dismiss them as mere British propaganda, designed to pit Germany and the Soviet Union against each other. A lingering hope for peace, perhaps, clouded his judgment, leading to a tragic underestimation of the storm that was about to descend. Thus, as the world watched with bated breath, the stage was set for one of the most brutal conflicts in human history. The machinations of Hitler and his generals, coupled with Stalin's fatal miscalculations, were about to plunge the Eastern Front into a war of unprecedented scale and ferocity. The first act of this dramatic and deadly play was about to commence, forever altering the course of the 20th century. When it comes to ideologies, Hitler and Stalin were like oil and water, two elements fundamentally unable to mix. They held contrasting visions of the world, two opposing ideologies, both seeking dominance. Adolf Hitler, with his charismatic speeches and fiery rhetoric, 
was the personification of National Socialism. He held a deep-seated disdain for communism, viewing it as a threat to the Aryan race. His vision of a sprawling German Reich, a racially pure state with Germans at the helm, was a dream he sought to make a reality. He poured these notions into his book, Mein Kampf, which was as much an autobiography as it was a manifesto of his extreme beliefs. The East, and specifically the Soviet Union, was where he sought Lebensraum, or living space, for this German master race. On the other side of this ideological chasm was Joseph Stalin, the Man of Steel. The Soviet Union under his rule was the torchbearer of communism, a state where the workers were to rise, and class divisions were meant to evaporate. Stalin's Soviet Union was an industrial powerhouse, a place where the state controlled every aspect of life, from the economy to education. But this apparent utopia was underpinned by a harsh reality of purges, famines, and political repression. These ideological differences were not mere philosophical disagreements. They were the kindling that fueled the fires of war. For Hitler, communism was an existential threat to his vision of a Germanic empire. Stalin, in contrast, viewed fascism as a menacing wave, ready to crash upon the Soviet shores, threatening to shatter his communist haven. Their views were not just incompatible, they were destined for a violent collision. It was not a matter of if, but when. Even as their diplomats signed the Molotov-Ribbentrop Pact, the ideological divide between these two nations was too vast to bridge. It was an uneasy truce, a brief respite before the inevitable conflict. It was a crack in a dam, waiting for the pressure to build until it finally burst unleashing a deluge that would consume millions in its wake. As such, the stage was set for a clash not just of armies, but of ideologies, a war that would shape the course of human history. In the grand theater of war, some men are drawn into the spotlight by destiny, while others craft their own path with meticulous planning. Such was the case with General Erich von Manstein, the architect of the invasion plan that would shake the world. Manstein was not just a soldier, he was a strategist, a man who saw the battlefield as a grand chessboard. His mind was a whirlwind of possibilities, each move meticulously calculated, each strategy carefully weighed. He was the planner behind the audacious fall of France in 1940, and his reputation as a tactical genius was already well established. When Hitler's gaze turned eastward, it was Manstein he turned to. The mission was daunting, to strike at the heart of the Soviet Union, a nation vast in both geography and manpower. The plan was codenamed Operation Barbarossa, named after Frederick Barbarossa, the medieval German emperor who sought to unite Germanic lands. Manstein proposed a plan as bold as it was risky. His strategy was not merely to invade, but to encircle and annihilate the Soviet forces in a series of swift, decisive operations. His aim was Moscow, the nerve center of the Soviet Union, the jewel that Hitler so desperately desired. While others hesitated, Manstein saw opportunity. He envisaged the German panzers charging through the vast plains, encircling the bewildered Red Army and delivering crushing blows. He pictured the Luftwaffe ruling the skies, paralyzing Soviet supply lines, and instilling fear in the hearts of their enemies. 
His plan was not just about victory, it was about absolute domination. Yet, in this vast chessboard of war, the opponents were not mere pieces, but nations of flesh and blood. The Soviet Union was not an opponent to be underestimated, a fact that Manstein, despite his calculated plans, may not have fully appreciated. Thus, Manstein, the architect of the invasion, set in motion a chain of events that would lead to the largest military operation in history. His meticulously crafted plan was about to be tested on the unforgiving battlefield, pitting the might of the Wehrmacht against the resilience of the Red Army. Little did he know, the course of the war would not be as predictable as the moves on his chessboard. Stalin, the man of steel, had built the Soviet Union into an industrial powerhouse. His five-year plans had transformed a largely agrarian society into a major world player. But beneath this veil of progress lay a fatal flaw, a woeful unpreparedness for the storm that was brewing to the West. In his high-walled Kremlin office, Stalin had constructed a fortress of denial. Despite numerous intelligence reports warning of a German buildup along the border, Stalin was paralyzed by indecision. The whispers of war grew louder, but Stalin seemed to retreat further into his fortress, dismissing these warnings as mere scaremongering by the British. His generals, too, were caught in a maelstrom of uncertainty. Soviet military leadership had been decimated by Stalin's purges in the late 1930s, removing many of the Red Army's most experienced commanders. The ones who remained were wary of speaking out, fear of the Gulag was a powerful silencer. Among them was Georgi Zhukov, a bold and respected general, who recognized the looming danger but found his warnings falling on deaf ears. The Soviet forces themselves were a mixed bag. They had the numbers, but their equipment was outdated, and their training was woefully lacking. The Red Army was a giant, but it was a clumsy one, unprepared for the blitzkrieg that was about to be unleashed upon them. Even as German tanks rumbled closer to the border, the Soviet Union was gripped by a dangerous complacency. The Molotov-Ribbentrop Pact was seen as a guarantee of peace, a shield against the German war machine. But this shield was about to shatter, and the Soviet Union was ill-prepared for the shards of war that would come hurtling their way. As the clock ticked down to the early hours of June 22, 1941, the Eastern Front was like The morning of June 22, 1941, dawned with an eerie stillness. The air hung heavy with anticipation, the calm before the storm. Across the vast stretch of the Soviet frontier, the soldiers of the Red Army stood watch, oblivious to the catastrophe about to befall them. Hidden behind the veil of darkness, the German war machine lay in wait, a predator ready to pounce on its unsuspecting prey. As the first light of dawn began to spill across the horizon, millions of German soldiers prepared to embark on the largest military operation in history. This was the day Operation Barbarossa would be unleashed, and the world would never be the same. At the helm of this massive force was Adolf Hitler, the man whose ambition had set this juggernaut in motion. From his command post, he issued the order to begin the invasion, his heart filled with visions of conquest and the dream of a German empire stretching from the Atlantic to the Urals. As the first rays of the sun crept over the landscape, the German assault commenced. 
The thunder of artillery shattered the quiet of the morning, and the ground shook as the panzer divisions surged forward. The Luftwaffe took to the skies, unleashing a torrent of bombs and bullets upon the unsuspecting Soviet defenders. Caught off guard, the Red Army scrambled to respond. Radios crackled with frantic calls for reinforcements, and the skies were filled with the distant rumble of engines and the echoes of explosions. Among the chaos, General Zhukov fought to rally his troops and mount a defense against the relentless onslaught. But the German advance was a tidal wave, and the Soviet forces were swept away in its powerful current. The dawn of June 22, 1941, marked the beginning of a new chapter in the annals of war, one that would be written in blood and fire. It was a day that would see the lives of millions forever altered, as the ideological clash between two titans reached its breaking point. As the world looked on in shock and awe, the Eastern Front became a crucible of destruction, the stage upon which the fate of nations would be decided. Operation Barbarossa wasn't just an attack, it was a masterfully orchestrated symphony of destruction. A three-pronged assault designed to strike the Soviet Union at its very core. At the helm of this assault were three army groups, each with a specific target and each playing a critical part in this devastating symphony. To the north, Army Group North, led by Field Marshal Wilhelm Ritter von Lieb, aimed for the critical city of Leningrad. His forces roared through the Baltic states, leaving a trail of destruction in their wake. The goal was to capture Leningrad and link up with Finnish forces to the north, effectively cutting off the Soviet Union from its Arctic ports. In the center, the heart of the assault, was Army Group Center under Field Marshal Fedor von Bock. His objective was Moscow, the beating heart of the Soviet Union. His forces comprised the bulk of the German Panzer Divisions, a spearhead designed to punch through the Soviet defenses and race towards the capital. To the south was Army Group South, commanded by Field Marshal Gerd von Rundstedt, with the goal of securing the rich resources of Ukraine. His forces clashed with the Red Army in fierce battles, striving to secure the vital industrial and agricultural heartland of the Soviet Union. The German assault was like a three-headed beast, each head striking at a vital organ of the Soviet Union. It was a strategy that hinged on speed and coordination, the trademark of the German Blitzkrieg. The Panzer divisions led the way, breaking through enemy lines and encircling Soviet forces, while the infantry followed, mopping up any remaining resistance. At the center of this maelstrom, General Zhukov struggled to mount a response. His forces were reeling, caught off guard by the speed and ferocity of the attack. But the Soviet bear was not down yet. Zhukov, drawing upon his reserves of courage and resilience, began to rally his forces for a counterattack. Thus, the three-pronged attack of Operation Barbarossa was in full swing, each prong driving deeper into the Soviet Union. The German juggernaut seemed unstoppable, but beneath the surface, cracks were beginning to show. The question remained, could this momentum be sustained, or would the tide of war turn against the invaders? The initial weeks of Operation Barbarossa were nothing short of spectacular for the German forces. Their blitzkrieg tactics, honed to perfection in earlier campaigns, seemed unstoppable. 
the panzer divisions sliced through Soviet defenses like a knife through butter, encircling and annihilating entire armies. The Luftwaffe ruled the skies, dealing devastating blows to Soviet air power. Field Marshal von Bock's Army Group Center moved swiftly towards Moscow, capturing the cities of Minsk and Smolensk with ruthless efficiency. To the south, Field Marshal von Rundstedt's forces secured vital resource-rich areas, including the important city of Kiev. In the north, Field Marshal von Lieb's troops laid siege to Leningrad, threatening to cut off the city from the rest of the Soviet Union. The German forces appeared invincible, their progress seemingly inexorable. The world watched in awe as the mighty Soviet Union reeled under the onslaught. Even Adolf Hitler, the man who had gambled everything on this audacious assault, could hardly contain his glee as reports of stunning victories poured into his command post. But amid the celebrations in the German high command, there were those who sensed that not all was as it seemed. General Heinz Guderian, a panzer expert and one of the architects of the Blitzkrieg, had doubts about the sustainability of the offensive. The relentless pace of the advance was straining supply lines and exhausting the men and machines under his command. In the Soviet Union, the initial shock was beginning to wear off. Though battered and bruised, the Red Army was far from broken. General Zhukov, always the pragmatist, began to see opportunities amidst the chaos. He recognized the vulnerabilities in the German supply lines and knew that the vastness of the Soviet Union could be used to his advantage. He began to devise a strategy that would play to these strengths, buying time for his forces to regroup and counterattack. Thus, the initial success of Operation Barbarossa began to cast a long shadow over the campaign. Though the German forces were triumphant, they had stretched themselves thin, racing against time and the specter of the brutal Russian winter. As the days turned to weeks and the weeks to months, the tide of war began to shift, setting the stage for a brutal and costly struggle that would change the course of history. War, in all its brutal reality, is not just a game of strategy played by generals and leaders. It's a horror show endured by ordinary men and women, soldiers and civilians alike. Operation Barbarossa was no exception. As the German forces advanced deeper into the Soviet Union, they left a trail of devastation in their wake. Battlefields were littered with the dead and dying, the wounded crying out in agony, their pleas echoing through the smoke-filled air. Whole towns and villages were razed to the ground, their inhabitants left homeless or worse. The sky, once a clear blue canvas, was now a constant haze of smoke and fire, a grim testament to the destructive power of war. The German forces, driven by Hitler's ideological hatred for Bolshevism and a distorted racial ideology, showed little mercy towards the Soviet population. Massacres and atrocities became commonplace, a horrifying spectacle of man's inhumanity to man. The Einsatzgruppen, special SS units, followed the advancing German armies, committing horrific acts of violence against Jews, communists, and anyone else deemed an enemy of the Reich. Yet, amid the horror and despair, there were tales of courage and resistance. Ordinary Soviet citizens, despite facing the terror of war, rallied together, providing whatever support they could to the Red Army. Partisan groups sprang up behind German lines 
disrupting supply routes and launching guerrilla attacks. On the front lines, soldiers like Vasily Zaitsev, a sniper in the Red Army, became symbols of defiance. His deadly accuracy made him a legend among his comrades and a nightmare for the enemy. Zaitsev, like many others, was not fighting for ideology or politics but for survival and the defense of his homeland. Back in Moscow, Stalin, despite his earlier failures, managed to rally the nation with a series of speeches that tapped into the Russian spirit of endurance and resistance. As the winter set in, the Soviet Union, its people and its army, began to demonstrate a resilience that Hitler and his generals had failed to anticipate. Thus, as Operation Barbarossa raged on, the true horror of war began to reveal itself. The battle was not as the German forces drove deeper into the heart of the Soviet Union, the Red Army was forced to adopt a strategy as old as warfare itself, scorched earth. Anything and everything that could aid the enemy was destroyed or removed, leaving behind a barren landscape devoid of resources. It was a desperate strategy for desperate times. In the shadowy halls of the Kremlin, Stalin approved the scorched earth policy. If we are forced to retreat, he declared, we must leave nothing for the enemy. And so, across the vast expanse of the Soviet Union, the fires of destruction began to burn. Fields of wheat and rye, destined to feed the German armies, were set ablaze, their golden grains turning to ash in the scorching heat. Factories and industrial plants, vital cogs in the Soviet war machine, were dismantled and relocated further east, away from the advancing German forces. Bridges, railways, and roads, the arteries of the nation, were destroyed, leaving behind a skeletal landscape. The people of the Soviet Union, their lives already upturned by the war, were forced to participate in this grand act of destruction. It was a bitter task, but they undertook it with grim determination, understanding that it was a necessary sacrifice for their survival. At the front, General Zhukov implemented the scorched earth strategy with ruthless efficiency. His orders were clear, not a step back. If retreat is necessary, leave nothing for the enemy. His soldiers, their hearts heavy with the task at hand, set about fulfilling their orders. The land they had once nurtured and loved was now a casualty of war, sacrificed on the altar of survival. The scorched earth strategy began to take its toll on the German forces. The vast Soviet landscape, already a logistical nightmare, became even more inhospitable. Supply lines were stretched thin, and the advancing armies found little in the way of sustenance or resources. The German dream of living off the land was turning into a nightmare. Thus, the Soviet Union, in its desperation, had turned one of its greatest assets, its vast landscape, into a weapon of war. As the German forces grappled with the challenges of this scorched earth, the Soviet Union gained a precious commodity, time. Time to regroup, time to rebuild, and time to launch a counteroffensive that would change the course of the war. In the summer of 1941, the Battle of Smolensk became the first major test of the Soviet Union's ability to resist the German onslaught. Smolensk, a city on the road to Moscow, held strategic importance for both sides. 
For the Germans, it was a stepping stone towards the Soviet capital. For the Soviets, it was a bastion that had to be held at all costs. The man tasked with the defense of Smolensk was General Andrei Yermenko, a seasoned Red Army officer known for his tactical acumen and stubborn determination. He understood the stakes and prepared to make the Germans pay for every inch of ground. On the German side, Field Marshal Fedor von Bock's Army Group Center, comprised of the best panzer divisions, approached Smolensk with confidence. The city was seen as another target to be taken, another milestone on the road to victory. Yet, von Bock was wary. The swift advance had taken its toll on his men and machines, and the Soviet resistance was becoming more formidable with each passing day. The battle began with the German forces launching an all-out assault on the city. German Stuka dive bombers rained death from the sky, their terrifying wail echoing across the battlefield. Panzer divisions, the spearhead of the German assault, charged forward, clashing with Soviet defenses in a maelstrom of fire and steel. In the heart of the chaos, Yermenko rallied his troops. His words echoed across the radio waves, reaching every soldier in the city, we will fight to the last man. Smolensk will not fall. Inspired by his leadership, the Red Army soldiers fought with a ferocity that surprised the German invaders. The days turned into weeks as the battle raged on. The city was reduced to rubble, but the Soviet defenders held on. Eventually, under the relentless pressure, the German forces managed to break through the Soviet defenses and capture Smolensk. However, the victory came at a cost. The German forces were worn out, and their advance was significantly slowed. The Battle of Smolensk was a brutal testament to the changing tide of the war. The Red Army, though defeated, had demonstrated its ability to resist and inflict heavy casualties on the invaders. The German forces, though victorious, had lost the momentum they had carried into the Soviet Union. The road to Moscow was proving to be much tougher than Hitler and his generals had anticipated. As the Battle of Smolensk raged, a fateful decision was being made hundreds of miles away in the German high command. Adolf Hitler, growing impatient with the pace of the advance and enticed by the vast resources of the Ukrainian region, made a strategic decision that would alter the course of Operation Barbarossa, and indeed, the entire war. Against the advice of his generals, Hitler ordered a shift in the focus of the invasion. He directed Army Group Center, the spearhead of the invasion, to halt its drive towards Moscow and instead divert its panzer groups to support Army Group North's siege of Leningrad and Army Group South's push into Ukraine. Hitler's obsession with resources, particularly the fertile lands and rich mineral deposits of Ukraine, overrode the strategic importance of Moscow. In the high echelons of the German command, this decision was met with dismay and disbelief. Generals like Heinz Guderian and Fedor von Bock argued vehemently against the decision. They understood the strategic importance of a swift victory in Moscow and the symbolic impact it would have on Soviet morale. However, Hitler, ever the micromanager, was adamant. Back in Moscow, the Soviet high command received the news of the German redirection with a mix of relief and puzzlement. General Georgi Zhukov, known for his strategic acumen, 
quickly realized the opportunity this presented. The diversion gave the Red Army precious time to reinforce Moscow's defenses and prepare for the inevitable assault. This strategic blunder by Hitler had significant repercussions. It not only delayed the German advance towards Moscow but also stretched their forces thin on an extended front. The logistical nightmare grew worse, and the window of opportunity to capture Moscow before the dreaded Russian winter set in was closing fast. Hitler's strategic mistake marked a turning point in Operation Barbarossa. The offensive, which had started with such promise for the Germans, was beginning to lose its momentum. The Red Army, once reeling under the surprise attack, was starting to find its footing. The battle for the Eastern Front was far from over, and the worst was yet to come. As the warm summer of 1941 gave way to the chill of autumn, the Eastern Front bore witness to a new enemy, the harsh Russian winter. The Germans, with their sights set on a quick victory, were ill-prepared for the icy winds and freezing temperatures that swept across the vast plains of the Soviet Union. Back in Berlin, Hitler, with typical arrogance, dismissed concerns about the winter. He believed his troops would be in Moscow before the first snow fell. However, in the field, the reality was a stark contrast to Hitler's delusions. The German troops, clad in their summer uniforms, began to feel the bitter cold. Trenches turned into icy graves, tanks and machinery froze, and the supply lines became even more strained. In the Soviet camp, the arrival of winter was seen with a glimmer of hope. The Russian winter was an old ally, known for its ruthlessness and unforgiving nature. They knew all too well how it could bring even the mightiest armies to their knees. The Russians had a saying, General Winter is unbeatable, and they were ready to use this general to their advantage. General Zhukov, understanding the importance of this climatic ally, began preparing his troops for winter warfare. He ordered the distribution of winter clothing and started adapting tactics to suit the harsh conditions. Meanwhile, Partisan groups behind German lines intensified their activities, further disrupting the already stretched German supply lines. As the first snow fell, the German forces found themselves in a precarious situation. Hitler's decision to divert forces and the ill-preparedness for winter had sapped their momentum. The Blitzkrieg, which had seemed unstoppable, was now grinding to a halt in the face of nature's fury. The approach of winter marked a shift in the balance of Operation Barbarossa. The Russian winter, with its biting cold and the turning point of Operation Barbarossa arrived with the dawn of December 1941. The German forces, battered by the brutal Russian winter and fierce Soviet resistance, found themselves at the gates of Moscow but unable to deliver the final blow. General Zhukov saw this as the perfect opportunity to strike back. Zhukov had been waiting patiently, consolidating his forces, studying the enemy, and planning his counteroffensive. A stocky, stern-faced man with a reputation for toughness, Zhukov was the embodiment of the Red Army's spirit of resistance. He was a seasoned commander who understood the stakes of the battle at hand. On December 5, as the German forces were on the brink of exhaustion, Zhukov launched his counteroffensive. With fresh Siberian troops, acclimatized to the harsh winter conditions, the Red Army charged at the weary German lines, 
the sudden and intense assault took the Germans by surprise, leading to confusion and disarray in their ranks. In the fierce battles that ensued, the Red Army showcased a level of tenacity and resilience that shocked their German adversaries. The Soviet soldiers, motivated by the defense of their motherland and steeled by the hardships they had endured, fought with a ferocity that contrasted sharply with their initial disarray at the start of Operation Barbarossa. The German forces, caught off guard and ill-prepared for such a determined counteroffensive, began to lose ground. The seemingly invincible blitzkrieg, which had swept across Europe, was now being pushed back. This marked a significant shift in the dynamics of the Eastern Front. The Red Army, once on the defensive, was now on the offensive. The German forces, once the hunters, had become the hunted. This shift was not just strategic but also psychological. The myth of German invincibility had been shattered. The advance of the Red Army marked the beginning of a long and grueling retreat for the German forces. Operation Barbarossa, Hitler's grand plan to subjugate the Soviet Union, had not only failed but had also opened the door for the Red Army's eventual push towards Berlin. The tide of the war had turned, and the Eastern Front was now a battle of survival for the German forces. As the dust settled on the Eastern Front and the harsh winter gave way to the thaw of spring, the devastating cost of Operation Barbarossa began to emerge. The landscape was scarred by the conflict, cities lay in ruins, and countless lives had been lost or irrevocably changed. The German Wehrmacht, once a seemingly unstoppable force, had suffered severe casualties. Close to a million German soldiers had been killed, wounded, or captured. The toll on their psyche was even more significant. The aura of invincibility that had surrounded the German forces had been shattered and morale was at an all-time low. In Berlin, Hitler's inner circle grappled with the failure of Operation Barbarossa. Hitler himself was incensed, blaming his generals in the harsh winter for the operation's failure. His relationship with his military leaders, already strained, soured further. Hitler's strategic blunders during Operation Barbarossa marked the beginning of his military downfall. On the Soviet side, the cost was even more devastating. The Red Army had suffered enormous losses, with casualties estimated to be in the millions. Cities like Smolensk and Vyazma lay in ruins, and the civilian population had suffered greatly from the fighting, forced labor, and the harsh policies of the German occupation. However, there was a newfound resilience and determination among the Soviets. The Red Army, under leaders like Zhukov, had proven its mettle. The Soviet people, having endured the horrors of war on their doorstep, were more determined than ever to repel the invaders. Operation Barbarossa was a cataclysmic event in the annals of the Second World War. It had a profound impact on the course of the war and the geopolitical landscape of Europe. Its failure marked the beginning of the end for Nazi Germany and its cost in human lives and suffering remains a stark reminder of the horrors of war. The echoes of Operation Barbarossa reverberated far beyond the vast plains of the Soviet Union, shaping the course of World War II and indeed, the very fabric of the 20th century. Firstly, the failure of Barbarossa drastically altered the power dynamics of the war. 
the German forces, previously seen as invincible, had been dealt a severe blow. Hitler's grand vision of a swift victory over the Soviet Union had evaporated, and with it, any hopes of a quick end to the war. The Wehrmacht's failure to defeat the Red Army not only prolonged the war but also forced Germany to fight on two fronts once the United States entered the war. This stretched the German military and economic resources to their limits and weakened their positions across all fronts. Secondly, Barbarossa marked a significant turning point for the Red Army and the Soviet Union. The Red Army's successful defense of Moscow and the subsequent counteroffensive transformed them from an underestimated force into a formidable opponent. The Soviet Union, initially seen as the underdog, now emerged as a key Allied power, marking a geopolitical shift that would shape the post-war world. Moreover, the savage brutality and immense scale of Barbarossa also had a profound psychological impact on the Soviet people. The war was no longer an abstract concept fought on distant fronts, but a desperate struggle for survival on their doorstep. This brutal reality fueled a fierce determination to resist, sparking a surge of patriotism and resolve that played a crucial role in the Red Army's ability to push back the invaders. Thirdly, the invasion of the Soviet Union also had significant repercussions for the Holocaust. The invasion and the subsequent occupation of the Soviet territories led to the mass murder of millions of Jews and other minorities, marking a grim and horrific escalation of Nazi genocidal policies. In the grand narrative of World War II, Operation Barbarossa stands as a stark testament to the perils of hubris and strategic overreach. Its failure marked the beginning of the end for Nazi Germany, setting the stage for the eventual Allied victory. The shockwaves of this monumental campaign were felt across the world, forever changing the course of history. The legacy of Operation Barbarossa is profound, casting long shadows over the remainder of the 20th century and shaping the world as we know it today. In the immediate aftermath of the war, the Soviet Union emerged as a global superpower. The Red Army's successful defense against the German onslaught and subsequent advance into Berlin helped solidify the USSR's position on the world stage. However, this victory came at a terrible cost, with millions of Soviet lives lost, cities in ruins, and a population traumatized by the horrors of war. The figures of Stalin and Zhukov loom large in this narrative. Stalin's iron-fisted rule and Zhukov's strategic acumen were crucial in the Soviet Union's ability to withstand and ultimately repel the German invasion. Their roles during this period have been the subject of countless studies, their actions both criticized and glorified in equal measure. For Germany, Operation Barbarossa marked the beginning of the end of the Third Reich. The failed invasion exposed the limitations of Hitler's military judgment and the weaknesses of the German military machine. It led to a war of attrition that Germany could ill afford, draining the country's resources and morale. The failed operation also played a significant role in cementing Hitler's reputation as a leader blinded by ambition and ideological fanaticism. His strategic blunders during Barbarossa such as the decision to divert forces away from Moscow, have been studied extensively as examples of poor military leadership. Operation Barbarossa's legacy is also evident in the geopolitical landscape of post-war Europe. 
the division of Germany in the subsequent Cold War can be traced back to the intense battles on the Eastern Front. The shared experiences of the war forged strong national identities and narratives, especially in Russia, where the Great Patriotic War remains a significant part of the national consciousness. Finally, Barbarossa left a deep scar on the collective memory of humanity. The scale of the destruction, the brutality of the fighting, and the immense loss of life serve as a grim reminder of the horrors of war. The legacy of Operation Barbarossa continues to inform our understanding of World War II, shaping historical narratives and serving as a cautionary tale for future generations.